Trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown and exchange Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am is
Well, good morning, Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. We are glad to see you guys here. Is everybody awake? Yes? Did you come in expectant for God to do something in your heart this morning? Did you? Did you come in saying, Lord, I want you to do something this morning in my heart that I don't know about that you're planning for me? So that's what I came in. We prayed that this morning that God would do something in our hearts this morning as he teaches us and we worship him. So we're excited to be here. So I'm going to ask you all to stand and we will begin our worship. We are his. 
morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the way that you move and the way that you bring up the sun and we get to watch it peek over the mountains. And then you reveal yourself in your glory. I'm so grateful that you give us things to look at that are beautiful. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do this morning in this service. Thank you for preparing our hearts before we even got here. And Lord, I just thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you for your word that you give us to encourage us, to teach us, and to, to change and transform us, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that as we go through this service, Lord, that you will continue to move in and through us, Lord. And I pray that you will be with Pastor Ben as he brings your message. Lord, I pray that your word will be rooted in our hearts this morning. And that we will respond to you as you call. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do, and thank you for loving us, and thank you for the season as we get ready to head towards the cross with Easter, Jesus. Remind us of that. Keep us mindful as we just had Ash services, and we're thinking and praying about everything that happened as well. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you again in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Would you turn and greet one another this morning? Good morning. We've got some announcements here for you today. 
start off with uh, a little note about the connection cards that you'll see in uh, the bulletins that are being passed out. If you are new with us, we want you to please um, fill those out and turn those into the offering plate. That would be great. Um, we have some pictures of some grandkids. We want to flash those up on the screen right now. We got we got quite a few today. We got starting with Sawyer today. Cute. We got we got Snickerdoodle and little guy. This is the first time I've seen these, obviously, but uh, very nice to see Patrick and Grandmother Lynn and Ryan. There we go. Very cute. Great grandkids. Wow. That's awesome. Brett Pettibone. Okay. And, and Philip, Evelyn, and I can't read that last right there. David and, okay, Miller. Yeah, Heston. Wow. Just a little one. Very cute. And I think that concludes our grandkids. Let's give it up for our grandkids today. Good looking bunch there. Okay, we got prime timers this Saturday. Please check out the details in the bulletin. Uh, if you haven't signed up, uh, you can still see Bev and Roland Hop in the coffee shop after the service. Uh, to sign up there, you, you are not counted out if you still want to sign up for that group. Um, did you guys know that Mike and Mary McNally are the grand marshals of this year's St. Patty's Day Parade? Give it up for them. Our own, very own celebrities. Um, please see the details in the bulletin uh, and consider coming out to support some of our very own uh, for that. That would be great. Uh, small groups have begun, but you can still sign up and join in. I don't know, I think we do have the sign up sheet still there on the back on a table, so please sign up for those uh, if you have an inkling to to take part in one of those small groups. You can still sign up, even though they, some of them already started uh, this week. Uh, and now we have a pastoral search update. Your, search, your church board has a, had a good meeting with the candidate on Friday evening, and the board will meet again soon to decide whether or not to take the next step and bring he and his wife here to meet with the church. So let's continue to be in prayer for the church board and that whole process. Um, it's very important, obviously, for the life of our church. So please be in prayer for that. Um, and then please check your bulletin for a lot of other uh, important information of uh, details of things going on. And um, yeah, that's, that's all that I have at this point. Besides, uh, we need to have all the kids head on over to Miss Tracy. She's over there in the corner. And you guys can go ahead and head on over to Children's Church. Thank you, Pastor Scott. And kids, we love you. Have a great time. We love our kids and we love our kids' workers, don't we? Oh my goodness, they are awesome. We are so privileged to be able to open up God's word on a daily basis and read what he has to say for us. 
I'm going to be reading from Matthew, uh, Matthew 3, beginning, or Matthew 4, beginning with verse 12. The beginning of Jesus' ministry here. Jesus begins to preach. It says, when Jesus heard that John, meaning John the Baptist, had been put into prison, Jesus returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what, he, what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we have the privilege of giving right now. We're going to continue our act of worship here in the act of giving, our morning tithes and offerings. And we also are going to be giving our alabaster funds today. Um, those of you who may be new, they don't know what this is all about, but our alabaster funds, they go to, be, to build hospitals, schools, um, buildings um, on the mission field. So our loose change, some of you I know might have some dollars or some, even some checks in this little box, goes to make a huge difference on the mission field. So after we give our tithes and offerings, you can just march. We do the alabaster march, right, Janine? She's going to lead the way as our missionary president. We do that, and we, we dump our, our offering right there in the tin box that's right in front. So thank you so much for your giving. I'd like to pray God's blessing upon this time. Father, we thank you so very much for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom. You have called us, your people, to contribute, to give, to sacrifice, to be a part of your kingdom. And what a privilege that is. And Father, I just pray that you will bless this offering as we give our tithes and offerings, as we come forward to give our alabaster offering. May your spirit be at work in powerful ways. We thank you for the privilege of giving, and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing that this goes to help others, those who need you, those who need a hospital, a school, whatever it might be, Father, you are at work, and we thank you. We love you, and we just want to give sacrificially for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
would you stand with me as we continue our time of worship together?
was reading in Ephesians 4, 6. It says, one God and Father. We have one God, one Father of all. He's over all. And he's in all. And he's living through all. So he's above all. Which means we can count on him, right? He's got the answers to everything, no matter what we're going through. And he has laid it all down for us. And boy, this, this song, you guys know it. It's above all. You know that one spot in that song that talks about the rose and how it's trampled on. He loves us that much. So we're going to sing that to him and remember that he is above everything. And he loves us that much. Above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all Above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what your worth. Crucified, laid behind a stone. Yeah. 
of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as
the voices. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He want to go to the Lord in prayer. Remember what's going on at Asbury Seminary? I heard that preacher who gave that message before revival broke out. And after he gave that message, he called his wife and said, I did a real stinker today. It was a lousy message. And as I thought about that, I, I realized that God doesn't call us because of our ability but he calls us because of our availability. He wants to use us. And so as we go to the throne of grace today, let's open ourselves up to Jesus, okay? Father, as we bow before you, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you did pay it all for us, and we owe you everything. And because of what you've done for us on the cross, and you paying the dead in full, and making a difference in our life, we're going to have all eternity to be able to praise you for what you've done. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your holiness and what you made available for us, dear Father. We thank you for the life that you've given to us, a life that has meaning. There's fullness to it. There's nothing like it on this world. But you have done it for us, Lord, and thank you. And we would pray today that you would help us, Lord, to walk worthy of the calling that you've given to each one of us. We know that we can't do it in our own strength, but we know with God's help we can be all that you would want us to be. And, Father, we have a prayer request here for little Logan Smith, who's in the hospital today, Lord. We'd ask that you'd come alongside his hospital bed, that you might touch him, that you'll give doctors wisdom, that they might use whatever they need to help little Logan get better and get home again to your father. And Father, we think of the pastoral search that this church is in. Lord, we know that you have the right man for the right job in the right place. And so, Lord, we're waiting upon you that you might open that door. And as you open that door, Lord, we know that we're all going to be able to rejoice because it's going to be the right person that's going to lead this church, going to help this church to make a difference in the community, to make a difference in the lives of men and women, boys and girls all over the place. And so, Lord, we just wait that your will might be done here. And, dear Father, we'd also pray that you'll help 
give us a burden for the loss that are around us. Lord, you know the needs. Our world needs so much help right now. Our president needs help. Our congressmen, our senators need your help, dear Father. Our nation's in a mess. And you told us, Lord, that if we would call upon you and we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, then we would hear from heaven. And Father, what's going on at Asbury and other colleges around the world, Lord, we, we pray that it might help even begin here, Lord. Why not here? Why not now? And so, Lord, we would ask that you would come, that you would bless in this service, that you would help Pastor Ben as he brings a message to us, that we would have ears to hear what God would say to us, and that when we get everything is said and done, Lord, we wouldn't leave this place the same as when we come in, but we'll leave differently because we've been with Jesus today. So thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you for what you're going to do for us. And we would ask, Lord, that you would continue to guide us. And we would like to say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm uh, doing this for the purposes of a message this morning, but as I thought about making my way to the platform, I thought, you know, if you want to understand someone, do something like this. Or use your God-given ability to imagine and step into their story. I referenced Steve Covey's classic book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think it was just last Sunday, and one of the seven habits was uh, beginning with the end in mind, and I loved singing that hymn of heaven again today, and, and one of the other habits was to seek to understand, then to be understood, and that's a great principle. We should apply that in our relationships. There are people whose behavior, or maybe things they say or how they respond to us, we don't understand. We should, uh, we should try to step into their shoes, hear their story a bit. Amen? And then I thought on this second Sunday in the Lenten season, how Jesus did exactly that. When the cries of a baby Split the night, come in Bethlehem. Jesus stepped into our, I may have to get Kelly's help up here. Stepped into our story. Aha! Uh -huh. uh, 
what I'm looking for. Woo! <laughs> but think of it. I'm just going to sit down right here. Think of it. Jesus understands us. He came, he became one of us, and that's the beauty of, of Jesus and the God who loves us. Luke 18, if you have your Bibles turned there, those apps, you can open them up. The Gospel of Luke, the good doctor. Luke 18, beginning at verse 35. Maybe you'll know why I'm doing this. Luke 18 at verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowds going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I thought about preaching the whole message with that, but I thought better of it. What a question from Jesus. From Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. The Word that was with God, the Word that was God, through whom all things were made, sent by the God that so loved the world, with whom nothing is impossible. What a question from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? We know from Mark's gospel that the blind man's name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. He had heard about what he was doing, a miracle worker. He could heal people. And no doubt Bartimaeus could, uh, couldn't believe his good fortune that Jesus was coming to his hometown and just then passing by. And it didn't matter what anyone else thinks, he's going to get the attention of Jesus. He was desperate. He was hopeful. He believed that Jesus could heal him. Amen. Jesus' question to Bartimaeus in this passage and the other accounts of healing miracles in the Gospels always raise questions for me. And maybe they do for you as well. Here are some of them. Why does God heal some and not others? Can he heal at all? Does he still do miracles? I had a conversation a few years ago with a pastor from Durwood Bible Church back in Maryland. 
and he introduced me to a theological camp I wasn't aware of prior to that conversation, cessationism. Ever heard of that? Uh, generally in the uh, Calvinist faith tradition, believing that miracles ceased with Jesus and the apostles. At the close of the apostolic age, uh, no more miracles. Is that true? A few people don't believe it is. The questions continue for me. If someone I'm praying for isn't healed, did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray loud enough? Did I not pray long enough? Did I not list enough people to pray with me, to agree with me in prayer for that? If it's my own healing I'm praying for and it's not happening, is God punishing me? Am I missing something or done something? Is there, is there something still yet I need to do? Is there unconfessed sin? Our church back uh, home uh, was next door to a faith community called Mother of God, a charismatic Catholic group, I guess you could uh, describe them, and good folks, but there was an element, if not a characterizing the whole community of uh, uh, if you're not being healed, you've got some sin that you haven't come clean with God regarding. I can still remember a little girl dying in a hospital nearby, and that was the pitch. Confess your sin and you'll be healed and live. Is that true? I've wrestled with those questions, and I've sat with those who have wrestled with those questions in the midst of sickness and suffering uh, through the years, and I find it difficult to preach from a passage like this without at least acknowledging and addressing those questions. I was remembering a lady in our church, and Kelly will remember this, who fostered uh, kids. And one of her foster uh, kids, I think after her care that she kept in touch with, got sick and died. And I still remember going over to that lady's house uh, to be with her and her family uh, in their grief. And they they were just torn up, as you can imagine. And I remember sitting down on the floor with them and her looking across at me and saying, I really wish you weren't here right now. She was so angry at God. And, of course, pastors represent him. So before I continue through this passage, here are some conclusions that I've arrived at, some beliefs, some thoughts at this juncture in my faith journey anyway. I do believe God heals. Do you? The Church of the Nazarene does. In fact, we devoted one of our 16 articles of faith to divine healing. I do believe God works miracles. I don't see any indication in the scriptures that would uh, cause me to believe that miracles would cease with Jesus and the apostles. They were happening before Jesus and the apostles, and they've been happening since there are too many stories, too much evidence, too many testimonies to think otherwise. I'm wondering if there's anyone here today who believes that God has healed them in a miraculous way or has healed someone else that you've prayed for in a miraculous way. Would you just stand up and testify to that right now? 
So we might say, take that, cessationist. Now, I respect that. Among those who believe, at least, who ask in faith for healing, for miracles, why are some healed and not others? You know, why not my friend Kevin or my friend Martin or little Caitlin, three years old? Well, God's ways are higher than our ways, the scriptures say. God sees so much more, knows so much more, sees everything, knows all, and certainly more than we do. He sees the big picture. His purpose is saving the world one heart, one life at a time. And I have to believe that he's at work in the midst of our circumstances and our suffering, reaching out to the lost and working for the good of those who love him. That whatever the answer to that question is, why are some healed and, and others not? People of faith, people that are praying and asking for that, it has to tie into his redemptive purpose in this world somehow. Romans 8, 28, God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I remember years ago rereading that promise. God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Those, plural. Maybe God is using my circumstances for the good of someone else who loves him. Maybe God is using my suffering, my circumstances to reach someone lost whom the good shepherd is in the wilderness searching for. It's possible that if someone isn't healed, it could be a lack of faith. The Bible says that Jesus couldn't do many miracles at his hometown because of that. But think of the man who came to Jesus with his little boy tormented by evil spirits. Lord, I believe. What else did he say? Help me in my unbelief. He wasn't all there yet. It's not like faith is something we got to drum up enough of to make it happen. He'll take any little bit of faith. We just have to come to him and trust in him. So, I don't know. That man's son was delivered that day. Is it possible that there can be unconfessed sin as a cause of suffering or as a hindrance to healing miracles? I thought of several passages of Scripture from the Gospels. John chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw another man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, so who sinned, him or his parents, that this man was born blind? And what did Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. No connection to unconfessed sin there. I thought of Luke chapter 13. There were some with Jesus who told him about the Galileans whose blood was mixed with their sacrifice at the hands of Pilate's soldiers. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. There you go. No connection. And then he said, how about those uh, 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? Again, I tell you, no. I thought of Matthew chapter 9, the lame man who whose friends brought him to Jesus, had to go through the roof to get to him. 
And when they got Jesus' attention, he said to the man, first of all, your sins are forgiven. And then moments later, healed him, and he walked again. In order to prove the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, Jesus said, forgiveness first, and then healing. Was there a connection? Possibly. Here's what I believe. Sin, sinful behavior, choices outside of God's will will certainly have consequences. But I think it's tragic and untrue to believe that God is punishing people with cancer and calamities and all manner of suffering because of sin. I don't believe it. I do believe that God heals, but I also know we're all going to die one day. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. There is a, uh, a camp that will say, just believe and you'll be healed. It's just a matter of faith. Well, I mean, how long does that go? Till you're 100, 150, forever? We're all going to die. Julie, during Jerry's stay in the hospital, we prayed for his healing, didn't we? If you're new to us today, Julie just lost her husband, one of our dear brothers and friends, just a few weeks ago. We prayed for his healing. I do not believe it was for lack of faith that he passed on. Julie, you're one of the strongest women of faith I've ever met. I believe he was too. And when it wasn't looking good for Jerry, and we were all praying earnestly, I asked myself a question. I asked myself, which takes more faith, to believe that Jerry can be healed and his life extended here, or to believe that this isn't all there is? That he's going to pass from this life to the next into the arms of Jesus, all the suffering behind him forever. I think it takes as much faith for the latter as it does for the former. And praise be to God, this isn't all there is. and We're going to see Jerry one day if we keep the faith. So those are just some of the questions that uh, I've asked and perhaps we ask and things we wrestle with that a passage like this can be an occasion for. And that questioning and that wrestling and even uh, doubting at times is okay. It might even be good. God can handle that. But let's not question and explain and doubt away what God can do. I will preach to myself here for a little bit. You can listen in. Let's stand on his promises. Let's always trust him. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Amen? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And would that we were as desperate and hopeful and believing as Bartimaeus was that day. And not worry about what other people think of us. And seek God and pray and ask God to help us, to heal us, 
to work because he does heal and he does help. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. God is compassionate and merciful. A father who wants to give his sons and daughters good things. Nothing's impossible for him. Nothing's too difficult for him. Amen? If you're anything like me at times, you may underestimate what God will and can do. Sometimes my God is too small. So back to Luke 18, there was Jesus just passing by. A blind beggar gets his attention, and now Jesus and Bartimaeus are standing face to face by the side of the road. Jesus' journey interrupted, and Bartimaeus' journey getting ready to take a life-changing turn. I imagine the crowd around them quiets. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. And Bartimaeus replies, Lord, I want to see. Verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. The word of the Lord. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is with us. Not just passing by, he's with us, in us, by the ministry of his Holy Spirit with us to the end of the age. With all my heart, I believe he still looks into your eyes and mine and asks that question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Maybe this season, in these days, in this chapter of your life, What do you want Jesus to do for you? Maybe there's an answer to you'd be bold enough to share. We're family. What do you want Jesus to do for you these days? I've got some answers. Cliff, use me every day. That would be like, what do you want Jesus to do through you? But that's a great answer, Cliff. And he is. Julie. Mm. Julie wants Jesus to make her usable. I think he's answering that prayer too. I think he has been answering that prayer. You're right, Leslie. I would like Jesus to give me more joy. Deliver me from frustration and perfectionism that can give other people pains. That's pretty honest and transparent, right? What else would you like Jesus to do for you? Save our loved ones. That's what I'd like Jesus to do for my loved ones. Bev? 
wisdom for uh, where he wants you to go. Got some big decisions these days. That's okay. Increase your territory. Ooh, that sounds good. Direct every step we take. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Increase your hearing of him, (laughs) not of me. No. That's good. We likely have all kinds of answers to Jesus' question. But I've always thought Bartimaeus' answer was a good one, even for those of us who aren't blind. His answer that day was, Lord, I want to see. And I think of all the, uh, the things that I want Jesus to do for me, I would put that at the top of my list. I'd say the same thing. Lord, I want to see. I want to see him. Like Isaiah, (laughs) high and lifted up, the train of his robe filling the temple to see his glory. I want to see him. I want to see myself. I want to see where I need him, where I need to grow. I want to be self-aware. I want to see me. And I want to see others the way Jesus sees others. And that's a good segue to the message I want to preach next Sunday. I want to see others the way Jesus sees them. I want to see the opportunities I have, Cliff, to be used by God. To be Christ's hands and feet, his eyes and ears. I want to see. Bartimaeus cried out for mercy that day, and he got it. We all need it. And we've received it too. In the Lord Jesus, his death on the cross. And now, in the life that we live in him. Amen. We're going to prepare our for Holy Communion this morning, and I would uh, love for this time of communion to be a time of prayer, of uh, seeking God, considering that question that Jesus is still asking us today, what do you want me to do for you, or in you, or through you? In just a few minutes, we'll invite you to come forward, take a bit of bread, Dip it in a cup of juice, and in that way, remember the Lord's death until he comes. And after you've received those elements, you're welcome to kneel here around the altars. I'm going to be anointing Michael this morning on behalf of his mom for her healing. If there's anyone else who would like anointed for healing, would love to do that for you today or pray with you. Uh, perhaps hold those elements for a time and just... Uh, Enjoy the Lord's presence. Just let Him lead in this time. Let's be free in it. Amen. I appreciate uh, 
women in ministry we're blessed to have in this church. And I'm going to invite uh, those four ordained elders in their various denominations to come forth. I'm going to uh, serve them first, and then uh, they will be serving you. As they come, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, written and living. Thank you, God, for the hope, the life that it gives us. Father, we come humbly to this table asking forgiveness for anything, any way we've fallen short of your good and pleasing and perfect will that we haven't already confessed to you. We confess that to you, claiming your promise that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come boldly to your table knowing that we're your children and that your grace has made a way for us. Thank you for your love and mercy. Pour it out into our hearts today. Speak to us. Work in us. We want to know you. We acknowledge you here. Thank you, Lord. We come to your table in Jesus' name. gluten-free elements here on the table if you'll need that. Let's uh, just begin at the front and come forward down the center aisle and then return to your seats that way. Amen. Let's come to this table.
expression of your word. And we sing you stand with me?
Our service is not ending. Our service is just beginning. As we walk out these doors, we are called to serve our neighbors. We're called to serve our coworkers. We're called to serve those that sit, sit next to us at school. We're called to serve those that wait on us at the grocery store. We're called to serve those who need Jesus. And we're walking into a world that needs Jesus, that is hopeless, just like that blind man, calling out, who can help me? We know the answer. Jesus can help them. So we are called to go out and to serve a world that's dying without Christ. And God, the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had together today. We thank you for your presence that's been here with us. And we thank you for your presence that will walk out those, those doors with us. We pray, Lord, that you will be at work. We pray, Lord, that you will give us opportunity to shine for you this week. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to see those who are not used to being seen, the beggar along the road who's blind calling out, needing Jesus. Father, use us this week to be Jesus to those who need you. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. <laughs> 
Amen. You are dismissed. Some people just want to survive. And I don't know about you. Jesus, dude.